Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, I'm really excited about our guest. Today, we welcome my friend, Joe Klein. And I gotta tell you, he is, in my view, uh, I've been doing this for like 40 years now, and one of the best journalists and, and, and really insightful writers that I met along the way and uh, really considered him a great friend. And I saw him make some great points on MSNBC recently and thought it'd be great to have him on. Joe's got a substack called Sanity Clause, where he's writing some really, really insightful stuff. You should run, not walk. Um, we'll keep we'll put it in the show notes, but you should binge read what what Joe's been writing. It's it really some amazing stuff. Everything from how to take on Trump, the in shows of Ted Lasso and Succession to Robert Kennedy Jr. and indulgence of his campaign. Really important stuff. Joe, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on, my friend. It's it's great to be here. I just don't think I have anything very interesting to say today. So <laughs> oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I always <laughs> don't say that. I don't want to get you worried, Joe. I know you're a warrior. Alex, uh, where do you want to start? Joe, I, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit first. So when we do our pre-show stuff, Joe will maybe send me a couple sentences here and there, or we'll do a call and I'll say, hey, you got to check this out. I have nine emails from Joe about stuff you have written or said that he was excited to talk about. Like, he has never <laughs> put that much in into any podcast. He is that excited. And I don't think he wants me saying that, but like he's he's keeps bringing it up. So I too have been binge reading your stuff, both on a, on a kind of drip by drip basis. And then I woke up this morning to eight emails from Joe Trippy saying, read this, read this, read this. So okay. that's where we want to start. You know, the, the one that got Joe and I talking first was your, your kind of breakdown on succession and Ted Lasso and kind of where you went with both of them, obviously given that the shows are now both over and you, you really talk I, I really like how you contrasted them. And so I just wanted you to kind of both for our listeners talk about that. Yeah. And the one quote, Joe, that really hit me was we've become deluded about our political opponents, how we've become conditioned to think the worst of them, how we've come to act more like the characters in Secession than those in Ted Lasso. Anyway, that, that I'm just sort of like that really struck me as the one thing I should say to our, our listeners is. You may uh, not agree with Joe Klein, or you may love uh, um, what he what he's writing about a subject, but he always makes you think, um, which I I which to me particularly is, you know, when I'm scratching my head saying, "Geez, I didn't think of that," but he's right. Um, so, Joe, can you could you get into that a little bit? Oh, about the succession versus Ted Lasso thing. Well, I you know, to me, these were two of my favorite TV shows ever. And uh, they showed really distinct opposite, polar opposite views of how you should get along in life and how we get along in life. Succession, of course, took the dark view um, that uh, everybody is cynical. We're all trying to tear each other down. Um, and uh, in that case, it's the three siblings. Uh, and to me, it led to a deeper thought about our country, which is at one point, Logan Roy, this is a spoiler for those of you who haven't watched the end of the show. At one point, the patriarch, based on Rupert Murdoch, says to his kids, you're not serious people. And 
that's a fear I've had through much of my life as a baby boomer, vis-a-vis uh, -vis our parents' generation. Uh, and the fact is that knowledge and wisdom always comes or often comes from suffering and from the act of serving others. Uh, it's something that I really learned during the years that I was studying the military and embedding in Iraq and Afghanistan. Those kids are different from the rest of us because they've been in life and death situations. And most Americans haven't been. We have been the luckiest people in the history of the world, which makes it all the more bizarre that we have such a pessimistic view of our country and our lives and our future. Uh, sure, there are problems out there, but I think that there's a kind of generational dilettantism that we baby boomers have passed on to generations X, Y, Z, and whatever comes after Z. And it becomes much clearer when you look at the opposite pole, when you look at Ted Lasso, which is kind of, you know, it's, it's a tribute to being nice. It's, you know, the, you know the story. It's about an American yeah. football coach who goes over to England to coach a soccer team. He knows nothing about soccer, and he has to win everybody over. And he wins them over by being a decent, thoughtful human being. And that kind of decency, I, I guess the, the first and, and, and exemplary act is that he makes these little short, shortbread cookies for, uh, for his boss, who has hired him in order to destroy the team. Uh, and, she, um, and he wins her over that way. And it reminded me of a story. Uh, I used to take these road trips uh, around the country just to see what folks were thinking. And once I was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, meeting with a group of folks, and a woman said, a woman who had moved from the north said, I really love living here because I, because I know which church to bring my casserole to when there's a tornado. Her first thought was helping her neighbors. She thought I was making fun of her as a kind of East Coast, you know, um, sophisticate. Uh, I wasn't. I was being envious. And I think that that sense of sharing has always been very close to the center of what the American ethic is. And the succession ethos of ripping each other down has become the new ethos of America, and, uh, and it's ripping us apart. Yeah, I, the dagger line in that piece that you wrote was, you know, was after you, you pointed out that, you know, I love you, but you're not serious people, uh, mm -hmm. that you... You take that and apply it to our democracy, and and you say, "I have that fear about us that we're ill ill equipped to govern ourselves." And I, I do, we look at the the polarization and the and the demonizing of the other side got to be hated and despised is uh, is just continues to get to get fueled. It does, but it's weird because you know we just had an example last week, Joe, with the, with the uh, debt ceiling deal of the fact that the reality of America is that we have this overwhelming majority of people in the center. Um, I call it the sanity caucus. But almost all of the attention goes to the extremists on the right, who are more numerous, and the extremists on the left, um, who are less numerous, but every bit as obnoxious as the ones on the right. Uh, and I think that a lot of it goes back to us 
in the media uh, and the things that we deem important. The things that we don't deem important are the things that we have in common. But it's the things that, but the it, it's the basic American principle that the things we have in common, no matter where we come from, are more important than the things that divide us. And we've really lost track of that. Well, I love I love that you went there, Joe, because one of the one of the articles that Joe and I were also talking about was that it, you get into the Hastert rule, which I want you to talk about. But th- this quote I just think is so good. You said. We, the media, spend so much time hyping the divisive and hyper-partisan style of post-Fox politics that we actually seem to believe it's true. It isn't quite. There's a vast American moderate sanity caucus. And then I want you to make the point about Hastert, but that that gets to the whole core of this, right? Well, I mean, you know, the Hastert rule, uh, which applies to Republicans in the House, is that unless a majority of the caucus agrees uh, to an action, to a piece of legislation, it won't be brought up. But that fundamentally, you know, runs at odds with the notion that a minority of the Democratic caucus and a minority of the Republican caucus, when joined together, represent a majority of the Congress and the majority of the people. I'll tell you a story. I was once in Iowa. I've been known to spend time in Iowa. A lot. (laughs) I was doing a town meeting uh, in this small town uh, off a lake south of Des Moines. Twelve couples showed up, all of them married. All the men were Republicans. All the women were Democrats, right? And they, but they were absolutely united in their disdain for me and disdain for the media. Uh, You know, and they said, why do you, this was back around 2010 or so when the Tea Party was first coming along. And, you know, and and this one woman said, why do you guys spend so much time putting the Tea Party on TV and writing about it and so on? We know who those people are. They're they're the wackos who show up at our town meetings and protest against the fluoridization of water. Um, We know who they are. They're not us. They're not the majority, but they're fun and they bring ratings. So what's the media getting wrong? I mean, why why is it clicks and in, in ratings, or is it is it just not well? The media, the fundament, the fundamental nature of the media changed um, in the '90s with the coming of the internet and also the come you know the rise of cable news stations. You know, when I was a kid, we had three flavors of ice cream, three newscasters, and three networks, uh, and now. And and the competition wasn't too swift, but as soon as Fox and MSNBC came along to challenge CNN, which up to that point was a kind of staid and responsible and maybe a little boring, uh, but reliable news source, at that point, you started getting phenomena like John McLaughlin and the McLaughlin group. And I, I can hear in, in the back of my head McLaughlin saying, Shouting wrong, you know, we can't <laughs> yeah, exactly. scream at each other and um, screaming for a time, you know, for a time it brought ratings and uh, and and I imagine in some ways it still does, but outrage brings brings ratings. Um, but it also, you know, but there are other responsibilities you have when you're a journalist. It isn't just about ratings. Um, it's about proportion. It's about insight. It's about 
you know, telling people what's really, you know, what, what may be important next week. And we've not got, we've gotten pretty bad at doing that. I mean, I don't know. Joe, I, I'm just, you, you said something a minute ago and you said about the Tea Party and, and your Iowa trip. You're right in that the Tea Party was, you know, like at, at its best, nine, 10 percent. It was never the majority. But bring it all back. Ultra MAGA is the majority of the Republican Party now as it stands. So mm -hmm. there's there's got to be some kind of, you know, in terms of what the media is getting wrong. I feel like they, they haven't quite reckoned with that yet. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what what's happened in CNN, uh, you know, over the last few weeks and over the last year, um, which was a completely misguided attempt to um, make nice to the Trump constituency. Mm -hmm. um, that isn't CNN's job, although it appears to have been the uh, the purpose of uh, of Chris Licht's bosses. Um, who who uh, who thought that a more moderate newscast would be one where Trump Trump's lies wouldn't be questioned, but to me that's not moderation. That's abdication. That's abdication of you know of of the truth. And um, for me, the place that you know we're dealing in demographic slivers here. We're dealing in a million people, two million people. Fox, three million people a night. Um, and I was once asked by uh, Jeff Bukas when he was the head of Time Warner and I was working for Time magazine, he asked me, what would you do with CNN? And I said, because you're dealing with these demographic slivers, why not go for the smart sliver? Why not go for the smart million people? Uh, you'd probably get a lot more Lexus and Mercedes Benz ads to make up for the uh, the you know the loss of um, you know the My gold pillow. and silver coin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you'd still get Ozempic, right? But but the thing is that um, there there has to be a space for sanity and responsibility. I think that there's a market for that, but everybody has gone off in the direction of chasing numbers and chasing clicks, as Joe just said, and chasing outrage. And um, and and I think that, you know, there's probably a place for that, but there also has to be a place for, you know, the default position, for what reality is. You know, there has to be a place when Donald Trump says, I won the election on air, the, the person interviewing him says, no, you didn't. Whatever gave you that idea? Every last lawsuit your people brought, you lost. So how can you keep on saying this? What's the matter with you? That Trippy Show will always be free with support from our advertisers, and we try to work with partners we believe in. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you keep what's stressing you bottled up, it can really start to drag you down. That's where therapy can help. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com trippy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash trippy. You know, it, it's funny you, you bring that one up and, and I don't want to scoop us, but in, in a future show, we're going to get into this. It's 
It's almost like there's there's a sphere of extreme right, Fox right, and then everybody else. And the everybody else is the CNNs, MSNBCs. There isn't that equivalent on the on the left yet that's been developed. And and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that in some future shows. But there was one point you made, and and Joe Trippy, I have to say last names on this one. This is kind of fun. I'm curious as to your thought on this one too. But you know, you were writing about Chris Licht, Joe Klein, and you said the problem with CNN doesn't lie on the objective subjective spectrum. It lies on the smart versus not very spectrum. And this, you just mentioned that, but the, your next line I really liked. There's a middle course between Fox and MSNBC. It is, in fact, a super highway. Yeah, it is. I think that, and, and there's room on that super highway for a lot of sharp, entertaining, even funny material. I mean, nothing could be funnier than the ridiculousness on the right and the left. Uh, at, at this point, you know, the the ridiculousness on the right is manifest. You know, there is my favorite comedian, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, who, um, you know, who said that the deficit ceiling bill was a, can I say the word, a shit sandwich. You can be. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we swear on this show a little too much, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. She said it was a shit sandwich and then she voted for it. <laughs> to which, you know, the pr only proper response is, would you like some great coupon with your sandwich, my dear? So I want to get into the election a little bit to how you see the, you know, things. I, you had a, you, you talked about, I, I'm really interested in sort of, first of all, let's talk a little bit about RFK Jr. and uh, his entry Do in the race. Do we have to? Uh, yeah, I'd like, to. I'd like Joe to talk a little bit about, it, about that because I, I really, I really liked what his, at least, Again, made me start thinking in a different way about it than than I had been. Uh, um, even though I I think the thing's crazy and all that other stuff, but it, it 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 made sense to me. So so Joe, what's your take? But let me uh, before I get to Robert Kennedy Jr. Let me let, sure. let me frame it by saying um, we got two old guys right now, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and the story has remained the same for three months, which is an insanely long period of time in American politics. And so I fully anticipate that the story is going to change over the next year. These two guys aren't going to get any stronger or, or smarter or um, younger or more clever in the next year. And people get bored. Uh, Americans get bored, especially since politics has become so much of an entertainment form. And so, you know, I look for things to change. I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that a year from now we'll be looking at a different landscape. Trump and Biden may, be, may still be involved in it, but they may not be the frontrunners at that point, uh, especially not Trump. And as for Biden, I think, you know, what gives Bobby Kennedy Jr., God, it hurts to say Bobby Kennedy Jr., because I was yeah. such a fan of Bobby Kennedy Sr. Um, but, but what gives him, uh, you know, a reason and gives us a reason to, to follow him closely is that, aside from Marianne Williamson, he's the only out, you know, alternative out there for Democrats who may, you know, Joe Biden may trip over his words or over his feet one time too many uh, in the coming months. And 
someone else will emerge. And if Bobby Kennedy is the only alternative out there, he may emerge, which would be really tragic because I think that he's in the ultimate exemplar of what I call indulgence liberalism. And uh, it goes back, to show you how erudite I am, it goes back to the practice in the medieval church of selling indulgences. You, if you were a rich person and you had sinned, you could buy your way out of the sin by buying an indulgence from the state. And it has a double meaning now. And Bobby Kennedy Jr. has had a life of indulgence. He indulged in heroin addiction. And now he's an indulging in a different way. He has spent the rest of his life involved in causes, some of them reasonable, others ridiculous like anti-vax. And, and for him, indulging in these causes is a way of trying to expiate his guilt and his fecklessness and his affluence. Uh, and I think that far too much of what's going on in the left, uh, in particular, is a kind of indulgence liberalism, that, which once again is disproportionate. It, 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 it latches on to very, very minor issues, very small issues like you know the trans issue. And uh, and makes them into you know bright line stop or go line in the sand kind of issues. I mean I don't know Joe you talk to more Democrats than I do, but I cannot find a liberal Democrat who will say flat out that you probably shouldn't teach elementary school kids about gender fluidity. It's that seems to me like an an, an ultimately logical moderate position, but Dems won't go there. You won't hear a single Dem talk about where we should go once the Supreme Court overturns affirmative action, when, you know, in reality, that's probably going to be the biggest issue of the next two or three months, to say nothing of the election. So I, I think that what we're doing is getting waylaid from the big picture, which is, you know, that this is a pretty good country. We have our flaws. But we don't practice, you know, racism is no longer written into the law. And most of the time. Well, no, all. Well, it's, it's the, the only way it's written into the law is to the benefit to the benefit of, uh, of black people, which is what the Supreme Court is about to take up, you know. But isn't that I mean, when you get back on the uh, on the trans and, and you know, what I'm what I think is happening is you have the the Trump and the DeSantis's and uh, who who kind of fuel you know a, the defense of we have to stand up for these people they're attacking and that gets the the left to 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 bite that and make it that line in the sand thing and I guess you know going back to your the first thing we were talking about with uh, with succession and whether we can govern and how we're at each other's throats. It's sort of like, um, who's driving this thing? You know, what, what, what's driving it? And, and I think, you know, which is why I do want to look at the Republican side of this for a sec. I mean, the conservative side, um, it's not even conservative, really. I mean, some of the stuff that these guys are, are, are doing, what's your, so how do you square all that is what I'm saying? Because I think it's, it's natural for people to say, Hey, you know they're they're taking these rights away, or they're they're trying to make it tougher on the on these people. Um, I mean that's a, a a progressive view view. You can take that too far. Um, defund the police is an example of that. But um, uh, but then of course then the right immediately you know DeSantis and Trump 
jump on that and we're back into the same quagmire of being at each other's throats, right? I mean, how do, what's your take on all that? Donald Trump is at the heart of almost all of this. The fact that he changed the rules for how politicians speak and how they regard the truth and how they regard um, making money while they're in office, which was one of the greatest Trump outrages that, you know, doesn't get talked about. I mean, Jared and Ivanka got $2 billion from the Saudis. My God. But I think that the impetus for this comes from the, for, for the extremism and for the extreme prejudice comes from the, the right in, in some cases. But it's also a reaction to the way the left has tried to impose its values and its language uh, on the country. I mean, I have a, my, my daughter-in-law is from the Dominican Republic, and if you ever called her Latinx, she'd jump down your throat. But that was something that the academic left tried to impose on the rest of us. I can cite chapter and verse of other locutions, other ways of speaking that the, that the left has imposed. The right, and, you know, and, 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 uh, and I think, the, as you said, defund the police is absolutely, you know, at the heart of it. But, you know, when you look at, at what the black community actually is in this country, which is something that neither the left nor the right does, and it's fascinating to me because I've almost always lived in black neighborhoods or integrated neighborhoods. This is a, you know, a moderate conservative demographic, the black vote. It was what brought us Joe Biden. Blacks are far more concerned. If you look at the polling, blacks are far more concerned about crime mm -hmm. than white liberals are. And, um, and I think that they're more concerned about kind of untrammeled immigration, too. There is another issue, which is a kind of cultural issue where Democrats seem incapable of saying, this is our position. You know, it's probably a good thing right now to shut down the border and figure out how we're going to assimilate the 11 or 12 million people who are here illegally. And that's another thing. We should use the word here, the words here illegally rather than without documents. They're not here legally. You know, Trippy, you said at the top there are some things that Joe Klein might say that you might not agree with. No, no, that's what I. That, that's why I, I invited Joe on be, because uh, I think he. You have to find some. All these issues are things where you have to. You know, it's not one side gets all just because you you won the electoral college or you won seven million more more popular votes. It's got. You know, we are. Part of the reason, you know, the way that democracy is supposed to work is you actually hash these things out and find common purpose, something common ground, compromise, you know, and it doesn't help to not talk about it. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, that, what, that what Joe writes about uh, that I think is, is right and why I asked him on. But you, that's, I mean, this isn't about, hey, everybody on this show, listen to Joe Klein and agree with him. I'm just talking, saying that, no, this is, uh, I mean, hell, we have these conversations. Joe, Joe and I don't agree on everything, but that's not the, the point. The point is, if we don't, and, you know, we, people on this call or on this this podcast could solve a lot of these problems if we didn't immediately recoil when when 
you hear something Joe says, or you know, one of one of the Joes says that you don't agree with. Uh, that's that's what's wrong with the way you get to success. And Joe Klein, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my thought and toss you this plank because I really liked what you point in in your your piece that was mostly focused on immigration. The larger point that I got from it is this idea that absolutism is like totally killing us right. as a culture, right? Absolutely, and yeah. that that's a really good good thought. Well, I, you know, I think that to go back to first principles, I think that the reason why I started Sanity Clause uh, three or four months ago, aside from spending too much time with Trippy, uh, is that I think that cultural issues. Um, are usually more important than, than economic issues unless there's some kind of cataclysm going on, a depression or a hyperinflation. And to my mind, there are five big cultural issues at stake in uh, the 2024 election. Democrats have the advantage on two of them, abortion and gun control. If you look at the polls, I mean, the polls on gun control are just astonishing. 90% of the people want to get rid of AR-15s. I mean, so Dems have those two. The other three are the trans issue and the issue of sexuality, race, which is always the biggest and always has been the biggest cultural issue in America, and immigration. And the Republicans at this moment have the advantage on those three. And my fervent belief is that there is a sanity caucus position on all five of them, that there's a place where you can go where the vast majority of people will agree. And in both cases, you know, the parties are playing to their most extremist factions. I mean, I don't understand at this point, after all of the disgrace, what the hold that the National Rifle Association has on the Republican Party. Uh, at this point, I think it's become pretty clear that the majority of Americans believe in first trimester abortions, uh, but don't believe in uh, you know, a woman finding out that her six-month-old fetus has Down syndrome, syndrome or some other genetic defect and, therefore, and thereby ab aborting them. I think there's a position in the middle on on every one of these issues that are the most divisive in this country, and that's the place that I want to be, and that's the place that I'm trying to promote. And what we've got, though, is uh, a lot of elected leaders who want to promote fear against the other, whoever the other is, you know, anything to, to, to scare the hell out of people, to not get to that middle ground, but to you know, they want, you know, they're, you know, basically to push everybody in. And then there are plenty of people on the other side. And I'm beginning in the left right now. I'm just talking about once you do that, then everybody, you know, there's, there's ire raised on the other side. And we get right back in the, the let's be divided soup that's got us all, all polarized at, at this, at, at this point. How do you, how do we get out of it? I mean, how do you, I mean, I, you, it, what I'm saying is the reality of Trump and DeSantis and, uh, Bobby, you know, uh, Jr., you know, I mean, because they're all they're they're all pushing, you know, in the divide and, you know, fuel the divide. Uh, I mean, in Biden, at least I think you would agree, has been I mean, has been more of a trying to 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 find some kind of commonality and not at least not be a an avid uh, 
for you know somebody who's pouring fuel on on those fires to the to to the extent he he can avoid it. Yeah, I you know uh, which is another way of getting at get, getting at this question. Why do the vast majority, two thirds of the American public, think he's he's a lousy president? I think he's a very good president. I think a hundred years from now he may be regarded as a great president. And to be be able to bring off the negotiating feat that he brought off, you know, last week on the debt ceiling is not in, you know, it, it, it is not a small thing. I think that when you look at the things that he he uh, supports, the majority, the sanity caucus in the middle of American politics supports them. Uh, they just don't support Joe Biden, I suspect, because he's kind of old and he appears doddering. And they're worried about that. Of course, there are the 40 to 50 percent of uh, of uh, of Republicans who are gonna, who are going to hate any Democrat in any case. And the more moderate the Democrat, uh, the more threatening they are, as was the case with Bill Clinton back in the 90s. That's why there was such an unrelenting campaign by Republicans to try and take the guy out. But I think that there are forces and they manifest themselves in political primaries, most of all, um, and in, you know, social media and, you know, in some in, in, in some corners of the funding world for whom it's in their best interests uh, to have this contentiousness going on. But I keep on waiting, and you could probably answer this better than me. I keep on waiting for the Joseph Welch candidate. You know, Joseph Welch famously was the lawyer who finally said to Joe McCarthy back in the 50s, have you no decency at long last, sir? And I'm looking for the presidential candidate who says, look, this is a great country. Why are we ripping ourselves apart? There are places we can go on all of these cultural issues that will make most of us happy. Uh, so let's go there. And uh, you just don't see candidates like that almost anywhere. Well, that's because it's so polarized that it's it's cheaper to go for the 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 forty eight percent that already you know that already hates the other side than it is to try to 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 find that. I, I mean, I, that's what's clearly going on. I think on the Republican side. I mean, I'm not I'm not. It's clear that there's no one over there who wants to risk trying to to they know they're going to alienate the, the Trump MAGA group and they don't they they're just not going to risk it that's why they've been hostage to him and you know and, and that wing of the party now for the better part of 6 years but i think you know but, but the thing is i once had this conversation with Hillary Clinton she would in 2016 end every one of her stump speeches by saying I'm in favor of civil rights. I'm in favor of LGBTQ rights. I'm in favor of women's rights. She went and a litany of all the rights she was in favor of. And I said to her, look, you know, the last 50 years, and this is stone reality, the last 50, 60 years in this country have seen the greatest advances in human rights in the history of the species. You know, we have a black middle and professional class now that didn't exist 60 years ago. Black women graduate from college at a greater rate than white men. Why can't there? I, and I asked her, why don't you go to West Virginia and tell all those angry white folks, thank you? 
Thanks for being part of this. We've come a lot of the way. We need to go a little bit farther, but we need to bring you along too, which is one area of immediate importance to Democrats, because when affirmative action gets overturned by the Supreme Court, Democrats should come up with a plan that works in the affirmative for poor people, regardless of race. Poor people in Wheeling, West Virginia, who's, you know, poor kids whose fathers were laid off in the steel mills. That's the kind of thing that Democrats could do. Um, they could, you know, the American people should be congratulated for the last 60 years and then say, let's move on. The problem is still going to be the voices out there that they don't want. Their political careers are not helped by that. Their political careers are helped by pouring gasoline on the let's all hate on each other model that's taken over. When that's the only message coming from both parties, you know, yeah, that's the only message people are getting. What I'm yeah. saying is there might be a market for this alternative message, which is, you know, we have these, we've made a lot of progress on, on these issues that are dividing us. Um, there are ways to solve them that are going to make most people happy. Yeah, no, I look, I, I think we both agree that finding, you know, that getting to leadership that, that can bring people to find those common places of agreement, because no one's going to get, you know, I mean, total ban on abortion versus, you know, the, the, the way, you know, going all the way. There, there, there is a middle ground, whether it's, you know, that could be figured out. Same with guns. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and the five issues that you talked about, but instead it's my way or you're, you're evil because you think it's the other way without like, hey, let's just sit down and figure out. The whole thing about the country has always been, look, we can have different views, but we have to learn to live together and come up with a way to find, uh, you know, to, 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 to resolve these issues in a way we can live together. The, the alternative which you hear Marjorie Taylor Greene and other people, you know, Civil War and all the other stuff that they point out is a lousy alternative, given where, again, where the country is right now. Joe, I, I want to thank you for coming on. We're, we're really short on time here. And I want to thank everyone for listening to that trippy show. Like I said, you should read, you should subscribe to Joe's Substack at josephkline.substack.com. Uh, we'll link it in our show notes. And the important thing here is, again, I'm not sure you, you may agree or not or disagree with uh, many of the things that Joe uh, and I talked about today, but I do think it's worth you reading through what he's talking about in the broader sense, not just in this, you know, 30 minute uh, podcast, um, because I think it will get you thinking about some of these issues, even if you end up uh, disagreeing or, or but I think you'll find things that make sense to you and that you do agree with. And that's what we have to do here. We've got to find, you know, find things that, yeah, we didn't, I'm not sure you're right, but um, uh, we, we need to work this out or we are going to be uh, at final scene uh, and Joe's quote, uh, or, you know, are we able, are we really capable of governing ourselves? That's a real question. A reminder that this podcast will always be free and it's part of ResoluteSquare.com. Check out the latest at ResoluteSquare.com slash trippy. Please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question and review on iTunes. 
Joe, thanks so much for coming on, my friend. It was really good to talk to you. 